y'all it's leah d i'm a black woman millennial from cleveland with a heart for storytelling i have found great purpose in exploring my own roots and those of my family to share those stories with others i've started to record many pod episodes entitled legacy talks the first volume features none other than my od those that have known me for two minutes or more know that one of my main characters in my story is my granddaddy I was raised by my maternal family only, and because of that, my mother's dad also subbed in as my own. He's 80 now, and my best friend. I call him my Odie and Jest. He retired from the city of Cleveland when I was a teenager. So, most of my foundational views of the city of Cleveland were shaped during an era where my granddad's alarm clock would sound off around 4 a.m., waking him up for first shift. I'll always envision him in his green uniform with his buttoned-up top neatly tucked into his pants but more on that later the first three episodes of volume one explored my granddad's introduction to cleveland as a young boy his memories as a student in the city's public schools and his connection and eventual marriage to my grandmother mary in the last episode we heard him recall the early days of his marriage and how they grew from two teens in love to a family unit of six in a newly built home in the lee harvard lee miles neighborhood Toward the end of the last episode, I promised we would cover one of my family's favorite pastimes and also one of the ways my family spent their time in community. I even went as far as to say, if you know, you know. Well, what do you think exactly I was referring to? They love, they love ball, all four of them. Skeeter said that because I love but I didn't tell them to play, they didn't want it. They just wanted to play. And that's what they did, play. Yep, baseball, but more specifically, softball. My granddad loves baseball and he always has and he still does. From what I hear, he was a damn good ball player himself and played on and off through early adulthood. When he worked at DuPont, he played on their recreational baseball team. So as a young father with three young girls and a baby boy, he taught them to play as well. And eventually he formed his own women's softball team and entered the city of Cleveland's recreational league in the early 1980s. So in this episode, it feels only right to introduce you all to the Almighty Crushers. The Crushers were a local all black championship women's softball team that played from the early to late 1980s. And my granddad was the coach. By the time I was born, the team had disbanded, but the relationships had not. I grew up knowing the names and nicknames of Miss Darlene, Iris, Cash, Hot Dog, Donna, and many others, all women who had played along with my mom and aunts for my granddad. The story granddad tells in this episode is about the women he coached, whom he still affectionately calls his girls. But it's also a story filled with deep pride, a story about character and sportsmanship, and most importantly, a story centered on community. So, let's get into it. Granddad says his daughters began playing ball at the old St. Henry's Parish and School on Harvard Avenue, which is now Archbishop Light School on the same campus of the Harvard Community Services Center. His neighbor on our street, Mr. Hilliard, who also had three daughters of his own, asked Granddad to sign my mom and aunts up for the team at St. Henry's. Ted Hilliard. He wanted his girls to play because he had three girls and he had some play up there at St. Henry's and he asked, could he bring his girls up and his neighbors? And they said, yes. 
and we had we took the six up and uh Deborah and Donna was in the August, Rennie and uh and Lynn but they was in the second group. And after that they didn't want her to pay because she was too little. And uh but she finally made it. St. Henry folded, the CYO folded because they said they didn't have enough team. They asked me, did I want to coach? I said, yeah. I became the coach of the Crushers in the early 80s. Crusher was a women's softball team formed through the help of the parents of the children who gave dances and different things to raise money for them, for uniforms and bats. The Crushers formed as a team with the financial backing of their families and their neighbors, mostly in Cleveland's Ward 1. The team was registered to play in the City of Cleveland's Women's Softball League and eventually also played for Eastlake and Brook Park's Women's Softball Leagues as well. They practiced mostly at Carouche Park on Tarkington and also played at Wilhill Park, Luke Easter to some, on Kinsman. And from what I've heard, they weren't just good. They were very good, and they were also fun to watch. They drew large crowds of family, friends, classmates, and supporters who loved to watch them compete. Here's my granddad working hard to recall the starting lineup from nearly 40 years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, Antoinette Hackney. Uh, Iris Jones. Donna Howard. Um, Tamara Stokes. Reva Nelson, Sharon Cash, Terry Stokes, Darlene. The game was fun. We played in the, the women's league. We had, at that time, maybe 10 women teams. And we all played at different times. When we played, we had tremendous crowd. They liked the way we run the hustle. But they come from all over Northeast Ohio to see the Crushers play. Nine times out of ten, we gave them what they wanted to see. It was a championship team in the city of Cleveland. Because I'd only heard the glory stories growing up, I asked my granddad where he thought the team lacked. What was their weakness? Only fault they had, they just had a hard time beating white people. I don't know what made them afraid that they just have a hot time with them. They didn't play up to their capability, but they eventually got over that too. And I told them they put on their jaws the same way y'all put on y'all jaws. After that, we lose, but we didn't lose as much. I got a good chuckle out of his response because I've heard that speech before myself from him. I guess I never thought to put him in a box or define him, but if I had to, I would say granddad is militant. He doesn't cower and he has always demanded respect. So the fact that his all black women's team was intimidated by their white counterparts, playing at many times in all white and outwardly racist areas in Northeast Ohio, definitely tracks. I asked him if he felt that he'd made an impact in the lives of the women on his team. Yes, I did. They made a lasting impression on me for tolerating me. 
Though the team disbanded in the late 80s, as the ladies aged and moved into different chapters of their lives, they never disconnected from one another or my granddad. I reached out to two of his former players, women he mentioned were his starters, Iris and Darlene, and I can tell you in advance, they didn't tolerate him. They loved him. They loved him for loving them, and they still do. Meet Iris, the former starting second baseman and shortstop of the Crushers. You know, we had some, we had some, it's just hard to describe. We had some fun times, man. We had some hard times, but we had some fun times. Fussing at each other, screaming and yelling at each other, getting mad. But at the end of the day, we'd come back together, eat, drink, like, you know, like, it's just like a brother and sister or sister and sister kind of thing. So, we, uh, man, the stands would be filled and, um, we definitely had great support. Like our parents would be there, uh, our friends. We had awesome, awesome support. Like, I, like I said, we were like one big happy family. You know what I mean? You know, you you gonna have your your fights and and whatever, but you know, as as a whole, we were like a a, a family. Like nobody could mess with one without messing with everybody. She begins to describe her memories of playing at Wood Hill, and it strikes me that the vibrancy and electricity she recalls in that public space is basically non-existent today, which is sad. Because I feel like once, like we went up to Wood Hill and started playing in that league, you know, you got like, it was just like, Saturday was like the day to spend in the park, you know what I mean? And, and Wood Hill would be packed you know, with, with different teams and different people just to come and watch. You pack a lunch just to come up there and you stay the whole day. Saturday and Sunday, your whole weekend was spent up there just watching people play softball, whether it was men or women or whatever the case may be. So how is it that a two-time championship team who sold out stands is erased from local history? Neither the Crushers or the other teams within their city league are memorialized anywhere. I can't find them in any archives, not even the call-in post. It's like they never existed outside of the memories of my family and our village. Iris says that race and where they came from had a lot to do with it, in her opinion. But I just think it was just the fact that at that particular time in, in, in the era... Blacks just didn't get that kind of publicity. Playing white teams and got white refs and ups and stuff. So, you know, we playing them, it was like we had to be perfect, you know, and just didn't keep up with the black teams. They didn't, they didn't, you know, you was a black team and you were good. Oh, well, you know, they were white teams that were better, you know, or just as good. So, you know, back then it was it was it was a white thing. We we lived and played in this neighborhood in the Lee Harvard, but there was like no Lee Harvard support. You know what I mean? It was like no councilman coming out or no there was none of that. Getting like uh publicity or, you know, winning winning leagues and our picture going in the paper and just no, that didn't happen. It's sad to me as I listen to her theory of erasure. And it's also a call to action to remember that we must capture, record, and archive our own stories, or else they'll be lost. But back to Iris. 
As we wrapped up our call, I asked her about my granddad's impact as a coach. Here's what she left us with. He um, treated us all pretty much like we were his. Of course, um, I think I felt like more than his than probably anybody else because I spent summers there, over there. I'd come home a day or two, but I'd spend the whole week over on 177th for my whole summer. I don't know where I would be in my life without it. You know, even though I don't see him like I used to or talk, I, my life, he saved my life. So, for sure. No doubt about it. And before we close out, there was one more crusher I thought it might be interesting for you all to hear from. Here's Miss Darlene, the former starting first baseman and outfielder of the crushers. My mother introduced me to Darlene as a little girl and instructed me to call her Miss Darlene, and I've done so ever since. She absolutely hates that I call her that to this day. <laughs> but anywho, Miss Darlene recalls how she joined the Crushers and her early memories of the team, meeting my granddad, my grandma, my mom, and my aunts. Let's see, I was playing in a league down in Morgana. It was a women's league, and I believe... Most of the players, when they came to that league, as the Crushers, played in CYO. And I think they probably aged out. So, uh, your grandfather started uh, the league. I don't know if he liked their leadership of whoever the girls played under CYO. But he took it, and from my observation, it was like a family uh, or it, it was family, you know. Uh, the girls at that time were basically around the same age. I was when I I was probably already maybe seven to ten years older. This was like me playing for playing with my dad. Okay, they didn't know me from from a hole in the wall, but they made me feel welcome from day one. Your grandfather and your grandmother were probably one of the best people. I've known in my life, okay? I was probably like, I mean, I always treated me like I was one of the eldest daughters. She then gives us her opinion on my granddad's coaching. He thought he was a hard coach, but she says his passion for the game only made them better. And one thing I said about Mr. Hackney, he remembered your face, he remembered your name, he remembered your family, he remembered a play you made a messed up. 18 years ago, he missed up something, and, you know, you're like, well, I tried, or made an excuse, he ain't, he ain't taking it. And I am, mm -mm. you should have made that play, yes, but like I said, maybe it's better, because you, when you play better competition and put the time in, it's going to show. I enjoy learning and teaching the game. Okay, everybody can hear, but you have to learn how to play the game the right way, and the better teams do that. I don't think it was hard. I really don't. Your grandfather had a real passion for the game. And even when we were bad, it didn't make no difference. He, he would be supportive. And if you could let love a game that like that, we don't ever get old. I wish I could go back to those days. And as it turns out, because her love of sports was nurtured by a great coach, she turned around and became one herself, paying it forward. Then, like I said, when I got older, I wanted to give back. So I started coaching girls. 
Okay. And as the years go, I saw how it changed. He try to keep him out of trouble if, if, if at all, if you can, because now, like I said, these kids got a lot more um, negative things in their life that contribute to some bad behavior and not having the guidance to hopefully help them overcome the things they have to deal with out here, especially our black youth. And like I said, a lot of the things I learned, playing sport and relationships and friendship, I still have to this day. When, if you ever can get surround yourself with good people, keep them in your life. Dad, granddad, and mother was always there for me when I, you know, had sickness or illness in my family and needed some somebody to talk to. And I got that from just playing softball. Something I enjoy and developing a relationship with people that I still have to understand. I'm thankful for that. I know my granddad is thankful for Miss Darlene too. She calls and chats with him and he looks forward to her visits. When I asked her about the impact he made on her life, this is what she had to say. Okay, made me feel like a part of the family when he first met me. And even when uh, Rennie went to school, he would give me his van and a credit card and I'd go down to Defiance and watch her play basketball. And he hadn't even known me that long, but he had trust in me. Okay? He had trust in me, and I respected that because a lot of people would say, who would give them a credit card and their vehicle for the weekend? To go uh, go to another part, another city in the state to watch. But he did. He did. And I, like I said, I have the utmost respect for your, your family. Villages aren't built by mistake. And I don't believe they form out of happenstance either. Folks are placed in our lives strategically. The two women you met through this episode are just a fraction of a dozen or so who are part of my family story. They're the villagers I had no choice in choosing. They were already bonded by an experience through the Crushers, but I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the friends they were to my mom, my Auntie Rini, and my Auntie Nett. I'm thankful that they played as extra older sisters to my Uncle Miles and extra daughters to my grandma. And I'm especially grateful that they still are intentional about staying in my granddad's life. As many of you know, my granddad is the last surviving member of his immediate family. He's outlived and buried his wife and all four of their children. So his girls, as he still calls them, the former crushers, are lights in an often dim chapter for him. They cheer him up, make him laugh, and remind him of the good he's done in his life. They're still his almighty crushers. And as many things in life come back around, it seems that baseball does too for us. Shortly before I finished editing this episode, Granddad came over and gave me a flyer, announcing registration for a t-ball league. That was his way, quietly, of telling me to sign his great-grandson up. The first practice starts next month at none other than Karush Park. So, I guess the legacy continues. Until next time, see y'all. I'm through. You're not through. Mm-hmm.